Actually, that reminds me of a, an incident years ago, back in 1978, oh, 79, when I was at Bible College, and it was a really, really hot day. And um, we used to have these trestle tables. There were these trestles thing, you know, the fold-up ones. And on top were these, like, they were like doors, but the hollow doors, you know, the ones that you get in new houses? And it was baking, baking hot. And we had this, bless him, really old fella droning on, lecturing about something or other. And we all watched my mate as he kind of lost it a little bit. His eyes started to go and, and go, and a heat was getting us all. But we were enjoying watching him. And we saw his head gradually get lower and lower and head for this trestle top. And it got lower and suddenly it went bonk. And he suddenly woke up and he shot up and his knees went up and the tail went up and went bang. And the old guy kept going, droning on and on and on and on. And I'm just saying that because I do appreciate how hot it is today. And if you go to sleep, I will punish you. Now... <laughs> No, I won't. It's, I, I, I do want to be understanding of that. And seek to be succinct. Oh, there's a verse in Hebrews chapter 11, that great chapter about faith. By faith, people achieve things. By faith in God and faith in Jesus. And it says this, that by faith, Hebrews 11:24, Moses, when he had grown up, I love this. He refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. I want to talk today about who we are, our identity. And we've been singing that great song, I am who you say I am. And I just want us to just look at a couple of things about this today and just grasp a couple of things that I hope will help us to actually walk in who you are so that you can do what God's called you to do in the way that he's called you to do it because no one else is you. No one else is you. And you need to know who you are in Jesus. You know, it's a huge issue in our world today of identity. You see, what we believe about ourselves is really important because it influences every decision we make and every action we take. Who I am will influence what I do. People belong, or, or long, as it were, for belonging and identity and acceptance. And it's so heartbreaking to see people striving to be liked, striving to fit in, striving to measure up, striving to find their identity in whatever way they can, and falling short all the time, and being really hurt by it. You know, when Jesus saw the crowds... In Matthew 9, it says he was moved with compassion for them because he saw they were like sheep without a shepherd. They were lost. They were wandering. They didn't know who they were. They lost their identity. Well, Jesus came to meet their identity. You know, from the outset, let's just cut to the chase. Let me state what I believe is this. That the true identity of every person can ultimately only be found in God through Jesus Christ. 
We can make up our own identity, we can be true to ourselves, we can try and be what we want to be, but you know, there's no fulfilment, there's nothing really that meets the need in the way that God alone can meet our need and show us who we really are. We, our original design was to be created in his image. And the problem is this, we live in a world that's got a broken image. This world is broken, it's messed up. And there's stuff that happens that's a result of this messed up world. And so we need to come back to our roots of knowing him. Any identities that we embrace that exclude God's vision for humanity will be flawed. Or at best, limited. Now let me say that not all human wisdom is bad. Of course it's not. But it has limitations in that it's not equipped to discern and fully understand truth that comes through faith and revelation in Jesus and that's where we need to get our identity from from him you know every mistaken limiting belief and identity about ourselves is of course tainted by sin all the problems that people have you know health problems emotional problems relational problems everything that is messed up in this world is because of sin we have turned away from God as a race, as a humanity. Now, can I just be very clear about something here? I, I, I've seen situations where somebody has been unwell and not got healed, and some Charlie goes and tries to be helpful and tell them it's because you haven't got enough faith, it's because of something you've done wrong. It's your sins. Now, don't get, don't get me wrong. If, if you do do some things, it does have a cause and effect situation. You know what I mean? You know, if I, if I sin against the law of gravity, I will probably die. Depends how high I jump. But we cannot come and condemn people about their sins and say they're not getting well because you've done, you're not good enough or you've not got enough faith. No, I'm not talking about sins. We all do sins and we all pay for it some way or another sometimes as a result. But I'm talking about the overarching thing that we live under and that is a regime of where this is a broken world and there is sin. Yeah, you got the difference. God designed us to be in his image the trouble is, if we make God in our image, it's a disaster. The broken world and broken lives that Jesus saw are still evident today. And it's seen, and it's seen in people's craving for love and acceptance and, yeah, identity. Hatred, war, cruelty, greed, people feeling uncomfortable in their own skins and rejected by people for being who they are or who they feel they are is a big issue. But Jesus said this, in John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Who are you and what defines you? Well, I want us to look at that very briefly. And there's just two areas that I see where we can get our identity from. And then there's the proper way that we get our identity. First of all... There are patterns in our past that affect us now. You know, we, we all have a past which has made up, which has made and formed us because of what we've experienced. Am I right? And there's some stuff that I've learned that's helped me 
Um, I've had some, <laughs> I don't see why I shouldn't tell you this, but I've had some uh, issues, tough issues in my life, and I felt it necessary to get some counselling. Oh, shame on you, you're a pastor. No, I'm a person. Like you are. So, am I ashamed of that? No, I'm not. If your car needs servicing, shove it in the garage. And some stuff I, that helped me was this, it, and, and, and it's, it's like the patterns from the past that come now and mess you up a bit if you're still running them, you know? Um, and it's this, that we all have experiences. Good things, bad things happen to us. And our tendency, what we tend to do is we make meaning of those experiences. And when those experiences keep happening, good or bad, they become embedded in us as beliefs. So, if we experience a bad home situation, it becomes embedded in us as normal. If people tell you that you're a failure and that you're no good, it becomes a belief. It's not a right belief. It's not from God. But it becomes a, a belief that affects our decisions and our actions. And it limits us because we take on an identity of being, I'm not good enough. A failure. When we're hurt, rejected or criticised and put down, it becomes embedded as a truth and a belief about ourselves. A, a fellow I used to know was told at school, you'll never become anything in your life. And he lived that for years and years and years. It became a belief. And the thing is this, if you have got an embedded belief in you that you're no good, it doesn't matter how many people praise you, you don't receive it. But the moment somebody says, you are rubbish, yeah, that's right, yeah, that's, that's yeah, I know. You don't do it as consciously as that, but it's there. And we get our identity from the rubbish sometimes that we've gathered in our lives. Can I say that some things in our, in our lives need to be reprogrammed in our minds, in our hearts, so that we can live according to him. So there's the, the, there's the patterns from the past that affect us now and that are triggered when things are said to us and things happen. There's also the culture around us of the present. <laughs> culture, do you know, I, I think culture is really, really important. I think culture for a, a church is such a key thing. Um, it's the knowledge and values shared by a group of people. And, but it's more than that. It's the feel of something. And can I just say that our church has a culture. It has a feel. It's that thing you can't put your finger on. Oh, you can go over here to the, to, to the, the leaf that says, oh, we do this, that, and the other. You can listen to Horizon News and say, oh, we've got all the, all the community actions on there. But on this week, but there's more than that, there's a feel, there's a culture, there's a way of doing things, and I know we're a bit odd sometimes, I don't know how many churches had football is coming home as their first worship song this morning, <laughs> could have been, 
But we are different because of our culture. You know, every household here is different. There's a different culture in your house to my house, to your house, to your house, to your house. And then when you go into a home, somebody's home, just like when you go into a church, you pick up the culture. A house can be warm and welcoming because that's the culture there. It could be free and easy and relaxed or it could be really strict. And you're afraid to sort of sit down in case you crease the cushion or something because that's the culture. It's not the culture in my house, I promise you that. But it's different. It's culture. And so culture is seen in houses, in churches, and in communities. And in our world, we, all, we live in a culture. That, 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 you know, there are some places you go, and you, you know, years and years ago, I went to South Africa. And it, it, it was a long time ago, and it's before, it was that transition period when apartheid was going out. And when um, there was all this, you know, this big change. before I think it was before Nelson Mandela came out of um, prison. And I went over there with another white chappy, and we were out driving. We went to see the lions in the Kruger National Park. See? But we were driving through, and there was this tension in the air. There was, you didn't feel safe. In fact, when you went outdoors, could be a lion there. So you didn't feel, I don't, you know, when I walk down the street, I'm not scared that a fox is going to kill me. But in South Africa, at that time, and in that place, there were lions around. I thought, this is dodgy. And then, when we were driving through these villages, there were all these African guys standing at the road looking at you. They weren't doing anything wrong. But, but there's two white fellas and they're all the trouble. They're the people that are baddies. Are they going to think that we're baddies? Are they going to throw stones at us? Are they going to kill us? And that's how I felt at the time, but we made it. We just smiled sweetly and kept driving. Hey, I'm not blaming them. They were in bad, bad situation. You know? But there was that feeling. That feeling. That, if you like, that culture. And life around us will form our identities, good and bad. And, you know, forming bad identities about this really is a spiritual strategy that the, the, the devil has for us. If he can make us what we're not, then we won't do what we should be doing for God. Because we're limited. We're, we're, we're messed up. Uh, there's all sorts of things. <sighs> There are labels that are put on people. And people want to fit in with those labels and expectations. I was talking to some people when we were on holiday, and they told me about, they watched, they, sounds a bit odd really, watching school children. They weren't watching school children. They just noticed that the school children that walk past their house, when they're in a group, they all throw their litter on the ground. When they're on their own, they put it in a bin. How weird is that? You see, if you put your rubbish in the bin, you ain't cool. Oh, look at him, he's putting his rubbish in the bin. Well, it's rubbish. It's, that's a rubbish statement, isn't it? But there's this, 
little bit of a peer pressure, I guess, that it's not cool to conform. But when I'm on my own, yes, I'll put the rubbish in the bin. And you know, sometimes people do the strangest things to be accepted. Um, success is something that is measured and is valued, and it's a good thing, whether you're successful or not in your job or if you've got a lot of money or nothing doesn't define who you are it's just something in our culture that people measure you by you know Moses I read about him was brought up to be a prince in Egypt in the superpower of his day he was adopted by Pharaoh's daughter when his mother to save him from being killed put him in a little basket, floated him down the Nile, and Pharaoh's daughter was bathing. She found a little baby. She brought him up. She used his mother, as it happens, not a coincidence, to bring him up on her behalf, but he became known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He was a prince. He was revered. I'm sure he had a good time. I'm sure he didn't lack for anything. I'm sure he was honoured. I'm sure he was the man that all the young ladies wanted to be with. He had a label. He had a past, you see, that grew up in the, in, in the, in the palace of Egypt. And he also lived in a culture that labelled him as someone great. He lived in a pagan culture. He, though he was a Hebrew, although he was someone from a nation that followed God and who had to be set free from slavery, he was brought up in an alien culture that said he was a prince in Egypt. Yet God had a true identity for him which touched and transformed his life. You see, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. You can call me what you want. But I know, and somehow he knew, that there was a destiny in his life, an identity in his life, that was far greater than anything that Egypt could give him. He had a different identity. I, and Jeremiah had a revelation that before, God said to him, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as a prophet to the nations. And Jeremiah, like most people, like every person who's called by God, tends to argue with God and say, I'm not good enough. Well, who says you're not good enough? Who are you anyway? You are who I say you are. Get used to it. And you see, that is what the work of Jesus does in us. Identity. Oh, identity. Great. Do you know what? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. But then the Word became flesh and dwelt amongst us. Jesus identified, God identified with us. He took on our identity as the Son of God, the sinless Son of God, came into this world and took on our identity so that when we believe in Him, we take on His identity. Do you know, when somebody gets saved... Their whole life is sorted out in a moment. Absolutely rubbish. No, salvation is, if you like, a relocation. Once you're in darkness, but now you're in light. 
Once you were condemned, and now you're forgiven. Once you were lost, I'm not going to do this again, it's too hard. Now you're found. You are relocated because of the grace of God. And you're in a position, a new position, because he took on our identity, you're in a new position where you know him and you can start to grow in the identity that he has for you as a son of the, or a daughter of the living God. It's exciting. See, Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And you know, because of the messed up world in which we live in, because of all the pressure and the stuff that will come at us to, to mould us into the identity of this world, it's so important that we're grounded in Jesus. That we know who we are in him. I love that song. I asked for it to be sung this morning. I am who you say I am. It was significant, you know, that Cindy and Jim wanted that song at their wedding because it means something to them. I am who you say I am. And what they're saying is I'm accepted. I know who I belong to. I'm part of this family here. I belong to you. I am who you say I am. And whatever I've been in the past or whatever I've tried to be in the past, I know who I am because you've told me I'm loved, I'm, I'm saved, I'm set free. And that's why he changes our name sometimes. Abram became Abraham. Simon became Peter. And I love that. There's a fellow called Jabez. His name means pain. I don't know what his parents had in mind when they saw him. Oh, he got a baby boy. You're, oh, we call him Pain. His mother probably named him, all right. I, I, I wasn't going to say anything like that because I'm a mere man. And, um, but he was called pain. And, you know, there came a point in his life and he says, I'm not going to be called that anymore. I'm going to appeal to God and I'm going to be what he wants me to be. Look up Jabez. I just mentioned it in passing. Joseph was labelled as the favourite son but he was also labelled by his brothers as the little creep. They didn't actually put it quite like that in the Bible, but they hated him. And then he was labelled as a slave. And then he was labelled as a, a, a servant, a, slave, a prisoner, I mean, a prisoner, a prisoner. But then God's true identity for him came to the fore, and he became a leader in Egypt that set his family free. Yes. I could go on. What do you mean, Dave? You are going on. Romans 12 says, do not conform any to the pattern of this world. The pattern, the patterns from the past, the culture. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and prove what God's will is. His good and perfect, pleasing and perfect will. He's got you in his hand. He wants you to know him so that you can know who you are. You know, we're called to grow in the grace and knowledge of God. In John 1.17, the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. And I love what Paul said. He said this, look, I am what I am by God's grace. Hey, do you know what? Ultimately, you are what you are by the grace of God. So don't try and be what you're not. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. And I just want to underline this really, that all of us, all of us are born for a specific time. Your time is now, by the way. If you're breathing, then you have a purpose in God. 
And secondly, you all, we all have a specific purpose. And if you don't know who you are, then it's quite difficult to outwork his specific purpose for you. Don't try and be someone else. Oh, I fancy doing that. You know, I, I, I quite fancy um, playing the guitar. I'll do it next week, Steve, all right? I can't play a guitar, like, but hey. No, I can't be Steve. I certainly can't be a children's worker. I certainly couldn't be an administrator. But I am who I am. I've got a certain personality. And despite that, sometimes God uses that personality to make me what I am. There's not another one of me. Don't say anything. But it's true. But there's not another... Yeah, yeah, you just behave. Just the fruit of the Spirit is self-control, so control yourself. The thing is this, that we are all unique. And we can all be secure in who we are. You know, our challenge is to be life-giving salt and light to our world. To actually affect lives and bless them and touch them. I don't mean stand at the corner of the road and preach and shout your head off. But do the, some of the stuff that, that, that um, Jill's mentioning. Just bless people. Help them. Be a blessing. Just be. Just be. Be polite. You know what I mean? Do you know there's some Christians that, that preach at people? And they, actually what they say we might agree with. <laughs> do you know what I mean? What they say might be right. But it's not helpful. In fact, it's very unhelpful sometimes. It puts people off. Don't do that. Be a blessing. Don't be a pain. And the challenge we have as believers in our culture is this, to stand, to stand firm for what we believe, but to love well in a culture of compromise. You see, we exist to love everyone, but we can never sacrifice our convictions before God. There's grace and there's truth, and the two of them go together. And like I say, sometimes we can be right, yet be unhelpful and rude. Well, don't do that. Show grace. I, I recorded a bit of daytime TV the other day, because I don't watch daytime TV. I know I only work on a Sunday, but I don't watch daytime TV the rest of the week. Now, there was some, who's heard of Victoria Derbyshire? Both if I'd heard, heard of her. Anyway, she had this meet. They had this. And, uh, do you know what? I, I nearly cried when I watched the recording. She had um, a group of youngsters. The youngest was 12. And they were all identifying themselves as transgender. Now, please, I, I'm not going to say too much about it because I really don't understand half of this. But I do know that there are genuine issues in people's lives it could be genetic, it could be chemical it could be emotional, I don't know what it is but what I do know is this that every single one of those young people whom I don't understand where they come from because I'm not there you understand? that's fair isn't it every single one of them was hurting like crazy had been bullied had been criticised and Whatever you think of where they are, can I tell you something? 
there's a person deep down there inside that God loves. And no matter what we think of their lifestyle or their orientation or their whatever it is, do you know something? We should treat everyone with love and respect just like Jesus did. There is, a, there is a lie that says, if you love me, you'll agree with me. No, that's not true. No, we can disagree well, but we can show respect and we can show honour to people because they're people. And once you've got yourself totally sorted out and all the problems in your life sorted out, then you can be rude to other people and then there'll be another issue for you. None of us are sorted out, but let's meet people where they are. Do you know, in our church, we welcome everybody as they are. Of course we do. But none of us, none of us should stay where we are. Yeah? Because God is at work in all of us. He wants us to grow to change and to, to get better he wants to take us out of darkness into light and then lead us to go know our identity in God and do you know what whatever those young people felt they were that's not their identity they're worth a lot more than that you know people say oh if you reject me because I'm gay you're rejecting me because that's what I am I don't look at it like that at all I, I, I think you're more important than any orientation or the color of your skin or anything. God loves you. And in your life and in my life, there are issues. What do, what do we do? We take them to Jesus and let him deal with them and sort us out. Yeah? We don't stick a big finger at him and say, you filthy sinner. I say, There's all this stuff that goes on in the world that gives us a bad name. And it's because we don't show grace with truth. Jesus stood firm and loved well in a culture of compromise. When a woman was caught in adultery, he didn't condemn her. But he told her, don't do it again. Don't do it again. <laughs> he didn't compromise either. So let's show the life of Jesus and help people to find him so that he can bring change in their lives. Let's find out who we are. You know, we've sung that song, I am who you say I am. I want to tell you who you are, folks. You are chosen, not forsaken. You're chosen. You're not forsaken. What are you? Good on you. She's chosen. She knows it. You confess that, all right? Speak it out. You're forgiven. You're forgiven, Alison. Thank goodness for that, eh? God, what a mess you'd be in. You're not condemned. You can stand before God and say, I'm a child of yours. I belong to you. That's who I am. What I've done is a bit, we won't worry about that because that's all forgiven and forgotten. But I am forgiven, I'm chosen, and I'm set free by Jesus. Woohoo! Oh, in Corinthians, Paul was going on about all the terrible things that people did. And you can't enter the kingdom of God if you act like that. But then he says, but you were washed, sanctified, justified in the name of the Lord Jesus. We are now under condemnation because we are in Christ. We are not rejected. We are accepted. And you have a purpose for being here now receive that identity 
in the name of Jesus and go and serve him with all your heart. I'd like us to sing that song again, could we? Please. I know we've sung this a lot and I don't want to flog it, but oh, the words are so, so significant. And as we do this, as we confess this, I picked on a couple of you because you were there. But it could be that you're thinking, I'm not good enough. I mean, the truth is, none of us are good enough. But we're not talking it's not about you, it's about him. It's not about how you see yourself, it's about he, how he sees you and his grace in our lives. And I'd like us to sing this, really, as a, a confession, as a prayer. And if it would help you to receive prayer, I know we've had people come out for prayer already. Well, we've finished right now and none of you fell asleep and hit your head on the table or the seat in front and lifted your legs up and it went bang. We got away with that. But I do want to finish our time together with just an opportunity for God, just to actually reinforce his identity. So we're going to, let's stand and sing, shall we, as we finish. And if any of you would like prayer, one of the leaders will pray for you. Just, just come out the front. It's, it's, it's not about getting kudos to get people out the front. It's an opportunity. So take that opportunity. Know who you say he is. Hallelujah. Who he says you are.